Welcome to the Janesville Jamble. I'm Steve. And I'm Nick. And this episode of the Janesville Jamble is brought to you by Warm Key Supply. Located right there behind Little League Fields. Right on the uh, the outfield of Little League Park. If you hit that fastball hard enough and uh well, Little League. Oh yeah. That diamond number one. Diamond one. You're gonna hit that building. You're gonna nail it. No question. Yeah. And uh while we're uh why Warmkey, which is no longer there, is our sponsors because Well, we, they office supplies and I'm sure back in the day they probably had a few Parker pens in there, Steve. Oh man, I remember as a kid going to whether it be Warmkey or Rexall drugs and going with mom and we'd just sit and look at pens and write with pens and then did you? I did go to Warm Key, but um, got dismissed from Warm Key. I got kicked out. Ooh, really? What'd you do? I don't know. The, I don't think the I building. did anything. You hit the building with uh, a fastball. I think I was asking for something, and they like, dismissed me and kicked me out. There you go. Well, <laughs> but one thing we're not going to be dismissed about kidding. tonight Actually, is... well, if anything, I got kicked out because we were probably hanging around their loading dock because we used to, uh, I was back with, early 90s and rollerblades really big time and we would do tricks and jump there's this cool ramp carpet one was another one too we'd always hang out there and do jumps and stuff it'd kick us out of there probably for good reason you didn't want anybody getting hurt yeah but. well we have uh we, we talked about rexall we talked about warm key there are others mm-hmm. because this is before office max before this is staples. before staples and before amazon this was when you wanted to go get a communication tool a writing instrument, and the writing instrument of the day was Parker Pen, and Parker Pen was founded and manufactured right here in Janesville, and we had a chance to talk with Jeff Parker, the great-grandson of George S. Parker. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Janesville's always been kind of, it's been a GM town, and for obvious reasons, I mean, it was a major player, major employer, but, you know, I think in that big shadow of that smokestack, you know, Parker Pen really had a little bit of that shadow cast over that history because it's such a huge history and longer almost in some it is it's really. longer I mean, it was open and uh, but two major businesses that really put Janesville on the map and oh, then, no doubt I mean and then still Parker is still tied to Janesville I mean I mean sure if you're listening to this podcast through that whole six degrees of separation kind of like with General Motors in the plant you probably know of or are related to somebody that worked at Parker Pen, right? Oh, no doubt. And and I again, this this is a debate, a, a historical debate about Janesville. I would say that as important as GM was to Janesville, um, the one thing that the plant didn't have was the corporate headquarters in town. And Parker was founded. Their corporate headquarters were here. Their factory was here, so you had the whole package right here in Janesville. So you had sales, marketing, you had people coming from all over the world into Janesville. Um, and again, not dismissing GM and, and what it did for Janesville, but um, a lot of the things you see today, you know, the Parker Foundation, the Janesville Foundation, was because the corporate headquarters Parker was Hall here. at the Y. Exactly. Well, the, even the many of the things that and, I, and you'll hear later as well mm-hmm. when we're talking to a special guest here that I'll even maybe even take it a step further to assume that if it wasn't for Parker Penn, 
maybe the contract wouldn't have been signed for the Janesville General Motors to be built here in town. Possibly. No, never know. We'll never know. Strong possibility that that may have been a Parker pen that signed that. It probably was. You know, it was the world's largest pen. Not too many Sharpie pens going around back then in the day or, you know, Pentec, Bic, Papermate. Those <laughs> oh, weren't please. around back then. Oh, I did. Oh. And I'm pretty Can't sure Feather pens, the Ben Franklin pens weren't. Were, they're probably gone by then. They were gone by then. Yeah. but so. it, was a, it was a great time talking with, uh, with Jeff and uh, we appreciate his time and he is obviously family historian, and he still has a lot um, of involvement in the Parker brand today. So uh, let's head down. Uh, I, actually, he's he's coming to us from Florida tonight, and uh, let's head over and, and talk to to Jeff Parker. Uh, a lot of history about Parker Pen and a lot of ties to Janesville. Well, Nick, uh, we have a very special guest uh, tonight. Um, no. From a Janesville, Janesville perspective, it, it depends on your generation, um, how well you know the name. Um, for, for some of us, for me, I know the name as uh, industry, a brand that's known throughout the world, and uh, something that I still enjoy using on a daily basis. Now, for other generations, I'll say my, my children's generation, it, the name is synonymous with a street and a high school and not necessarily the history and what we were. But tonight we, we are, are uh, really honored to have uh, Mr. Uh, Jeff Parker on the Janesville Jamble with us. Jeff, good evening from Florida. Good evening, Steve, how are you? We're, we're doing- cold. Yeah, well, as Nick said in the, uh, in the beginning, it, this is early spring for us. That's so. right. <laughs> February in Wisconsin is early spring. Ah, yes, I remember it well. Yes. <laughs> So first off, um, uh, we hope you're doing well down in Florida and enjoying yourself um, here in, in uh, 2022, right? It's 2022. Yep. <laughs> yeah, very much. I, uh, the, the Parker family has a fairly long uh, connection to the state of Florida, initially as a kind of a vacation spot. Um, and ultimately, uh, my grandfather, for example, uh, Kenneth Parker, he retired to Florida. I actually went to high school uh, for most of high school in uh, in Florida. So it's um, it's kind of a second home, but um, but I think it's important to note that it is a second home. Yes. I I still consider. Southeastern Wisconsin, Janesville, Milton, that area to be my number one home, even if I don't live there anymore. And, and the Parker family, from a heritage standpoint, had many generations that called Janesville home going um, as far back as your great-grandfather, George S. Parker, correct? That, that is correct. In fact, uh, George S. Parker, uh, the namesake of uh, Parker High, uh, was born not too far from Janesville uh, in a little town called Schultzburg, which is about a little more than an hour west of Janesville. I've been, I've um, been through it. He was born there uh, during the American Civil War in 1863 and um, eventually uh, found himself in Janesville uh, studying telegraphy. and. Um, it was his dream to, uh, he wanted to see the world. 
He'd seen the photographs, he'd seen the artwork, but he wanted to actually go there. But this was a big challenge for uh, a young farm boy uh, from Wisconsin. Hmm. Um, but he finally figured out that uh, he had a chance of doing it if he could learn telegraphy. And his rationale was, if I learn telegraphy, I can work for a railroad. And if I work for a railroad, I can travel. So Janesville's Valentine School of Telegraphy uh, was uh, was the first stop on that uh, on that journey towards being able to uh, to see the world. And Janesville at that time was really starting to become known as a rail hub, wasn't it? It was indeed. It was indeed. And um, and the Valentine School did quite a business. Uh, teaching uh, telegraphy to a lot of people who came to Janesville just for that purpose. George was one of those people and, um, and ultimately wound up uh, as a teacher at the Valentine School. Uh, and uh, he enjoyed teaching, he enjoyed it quite a lot. But the problem he had with teaching was that it, uh, well, it didn't advance his desire to travel. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, he barely made enough money to live on as a teacher. Um, so that's kind of what the next step was uh, in, his, in his life journey. He, uh, he asked the, uh, the, the people who ran the school if he could sell pens to some of his students. And they quickly reasoned that, well, if we don't have to pay you anymore, sure, go ahead and sell pens. <laughs> well, he was an entrepreneur from, from the get-go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, the problem and the opportunity that he encountered immediately was that the pens he was selling, which were made by uh, a company called the John Holland Pen Company, weren't terribly good pens. And he wound up... Uh, with a pack of uh, unhappy customers. Yeah, I'd heard that uh, from what I read, it was that the pens would leak ink all the time, was oh, uh, yeah. some of the biggest it, problems it with those. Make, they would skip or they would, you know, they just generally misbehaved. Be like selling a car and the engine doesn't work well all the time. Yeah. Transmission. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much, that's right. <laughs> So his decision was, well, if I, want to, if, if I want to have happy customers and keep their money, I have to find ways to make these pens, these John Holland pens work better. So with that, he just started fiddling around with the pens to see if he could uh, figure out ways to make them work better. And uh, I guess it won't be any surprise. He did. He, did. he found a number of ways to make them better. Uh, and in fact, they work so much better that he finally figured out it doesn't make any sense for me to fix somebody else's pens. I'll just start making pens the way I think they should be made. And that uh, in 1888, when George was a ripe old 25 years of age, wow. was the beginning of the Parker Pen Company. Now, quick question for you on that. And, and is there a tie? So we're going back to Janesville a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So Palmer Park is a is a regional park in, in Janesville. Was there a tie to William Palmer and George Parker? That's that's my understanding. Yes, Steve. 
Okay, I thought that was a case. I don't know if that was something I just thought up, but yeah, I've I've always understood that there was some sort of tie between your great grandfather and the namesake of Palmer Park, William Palmer. Yes, William Palmer. In fact, uh, he was a he was an insurance salesman back in those days, and um, he traveled around Wisconsin and heard about this uh, this young man who had a successful pen business and uh, reckoned he might be able to sell insurance to him. So he looked him up and uh, became so impressed with the business that he made George Parker a proposition. And he said, I'll contribute $1,000, a truly staggering amount of money at the time. Yes. uh, In exchange for 50% ownership of Parker Penn. And um, George took him up on that offer. And uh, with that, with that working capital, uh, the Parker Pen Company really, really, truly took off and became uh, quite successful from that point on. Now, was he a, a silent partner, or did was he eventually just you know? How, how long did that relationship last? Was it, it... lasted quite a long time? Did it? Um, and it was it was it wasn't a simple relationship. Keep in mind, George was still only about 25. Well, he was 28, I think, at the time that he met Mr. Palmer. So George had a lot to learn from the older Mr. Palmer. And it was, uh, I guess you would call it a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. You you think back, like I think I'm thinking back to when I was 25 and I wasn't anywhere near the entrepreneurship mind that uh, your great grandfather had. And at 25 is what you said in 1888, he started that company. And that from what I'm reading here is that a year after he started the company, he got his first patent for a fountain pen in 1889. That's correct. And then also just kind of reading on here that by 1908, so just, you know, a few years down the road there, he was the Parker was the biggest pen factory in the world. That's true. That's, that's amazing. That's true. That's amazing. It, uh, it quite literally really took off. Um, I, I remember reading, for example, that uh, uh, some uh, journal diary entries from uh, one of George's sisters uh, that recounted her visit to Janesville. Um, first time she'd seen George since he was about five years old. And uh, she was overwhelmed. She was just staggered by the fact that uh, that George had uh, two large home lots uh, up Court Street mm-hmm. and a house that was worth the stunning sum of seven thousand five hundred dollars. In the now, late, keep in mind, crazy. this is in the early nineteen hundreds. That was a lot of money at that time. You know, I, I just want to put this into, into perspective more for my, my kids' generation. Now, think about this. Now, today's main use of communication is, you know, your, your smart devices, right? And, but just think, think back in the early 1900s, the, one of the main communication devices is a pen. And the the largest in the world is right here in Janesville, Wisconsin. That is, I mean, 
put that into perspective, that is quite amazing. It's quite amazing. And I think it's safe to say that George was just as amazed by it all as, as, as anyone else. He had never really planned to be a businessman. Um, he had, the, the one thing that he really had going for him was that he was one of these people who was uh, incessantly, constantly, maybe even annoyingly curious. <laughs> and it was that curiosity, the sort we see in, in a two-year-old that stayed with George throughout his entire life. And it was that curiosity that led him to find out ways to make better pens. Not just that first time, but it became a part of the credo of the business. He, in fact, he famously said that it will always be popular to make a better pen. That was a, a slogan that was used in advertising for, for many, many years as well. Still being used. That's, and that's amazing. That, that's another, that's maybe even another story, the advertising and how well it worked for Parker Penn. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as um, George grew and the business grew, um, the family also grew, right? And the family became a part of the business. Um, it's very, his, it's his, very true. Yes, uh, George had uh, ultimately had uh, two sons uh, and, uh, and a daughter. And uh, his sons, uh, the elder being Russell and the younger being Kenneth, my grandfather, uh, both joined the business once, uh, once they had finished uh, their schooling and um, both made significant contributions to the business. Now, again, this is, this is just because, frankly, I, I love the brand. I mean, I grew up in Janesville and I know a lot of kids wanted to, in my age, I'm 50, wanted to work at General Motors uh, growing up. And I, I, I actually, I wanted to work for Parker Penn. That was always a, a dream of mine is to work for Parker Penn. Mm -hmm. And so I was always just catching little tidbits of information. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the historian here, I'm not, but uh, was it not um, your grandfather, Kenneth, that um, I'll, call, I'll call it prodded um, George, to go big and go bold in the 20s with the dual fold. Um, that, that's essentially correct, Steve. Um, the real story is, is perhaps a little more revealing and I'll, I'll see if I can be brief and, and offer enough detail. Eventually, as, as, as the two sons joined the business, George found that he was able to finally pursue his, his desire to travel. And boy, did he ever travel. He, I'm, I'm still discovering more details about his travel, but at this point in time, he traveled around the world at least five times. And this is in the 20, in the teens and 20s, 1900s. That's not correct. This That's correct. A trip amazing. like that would take weeks. Uh, but, but in any case, he did. And, and, he, and he really enjoyed not just the things that he saw, but the people that he met. And, uh, and, and that was just a, a wonderful experience. 
But it just so happens that on one of those trips, when George was in China in the mid-1920s, that a Parker salesman approached Kenneth and Russell with an idea to set Parker apart from all the other pen manufacturers. And instead of offering any color pen you wanted, as long as it was black, <laughs> they, they worked on the idea of offering a pen that was this unusual kind of oriental red. Um, and they did a test market, again, while George is away, um, the reaction to the, uh, to the, to the pen and the color in particular was <laughs> amazing. Uh, they sold all of their test samples in little more than a weekend. And, and George at this time, George has no idea. He has no clue. <laughs> he has no clue. And recognizing, so Kenneth and Russell recognized that, well, this is really quite something special, but on the other hand, anybody could do this. Mm -hmm. And to them, that meant we need to do this now so that we can establish ourselves as the leader in this new trend. And that meant uh, signing a very large advertising contract. Well, they did this again without George uh, knowing about it. Can you imagine okay. the conversations that they had after work? Well, how are we going to tell dad that we're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine on Parker be, being in Janesville and going, okay, so we have this great idea. We're, we're going to be spending a lot of money on advertising. Now we need to tell him. Yeah. Well, I, in a way, they didn't have to worry about telling him themselves because the moment George's ship uh, docked out on the West coast from China, he was met by Parker's uh, advertise or uh, marketing manager out there. And, uh, and he learned about it straight away. Um, speaking of straight away, he almost went straight through the roof when he heard about it. There we go. At least they had a buffer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had a couple thousand miles between George and themselves, yes. But he hightailed it back to Janesville and absolutely lit in to the two, to the two young men oh. about spending so much money on a contract without talking to him and so on and so on. But they had, they had the advantage because all they had to do was point to the order book that they had. And George immediately fell silent. He was stunned at the popularity of this big red pen. And uh, his, his complaints uh, disappeared. <laughs> well, speaking of popularity, uh, 1941, um, correct me if I'm wrong here. So there's a highway that runs through James. Uh, can we get to this in just a minute? Can I go back? I'm sorry. I, I just want to ask one, right one more quick. So we're, we're in the twenties right now still. Okay. Yep. And, and I, before we get off the dual full, I, I just want to, I know I'm getting an eye roll here because he, he, he has a question. This is a good one. I, I know the question, but I, I, you can disagree with me, Jeff, 
But yep. here, I always state this, and um, from an industrial design perspective, everybody talks about industrial design today and, and the lines and aesthetics. And I would argue, again, I'll argue, I'll go back to Apple again. I, I today see that Parker Penn, back in that time, really was the Apple of today. Elegance, forward thinking, and uh, it was the it was the main player on the block. Um, and and I would have to say that um, your your grandfather and would be like great great uncle um, were the ones that helped make that. And probably just uh, by selling all those uh, convinced your uh, convinced George to move forward. What it's what are your good. thoughts on that comment? Yeah, you, you you make a really good point. Although I would argue a little bit that yes, George had a lot to do with that. Kenneth had a lot to do with it. Russell had a lot to do with it. But let's not forget the fact uh, that the business was so big at this point in time that there were a lot more people involved in in running and managing the business than just these three guys named Parker. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had surrounded themselves with an, a large number of very talented, very smart, uh, very creative people, um, and and it was it was this this larger family, if you will, um, that really worked together uh, to build Parker in into the sort of brand that you've described. And, you know, here's where, again, I go back to Janesville and I give kudos to General Motors. Again, my father, grand, grandfather, great grandfather uh, worked for General Motors. Um, but I, I'm going back to the soul of Janesville. And, you know, I, what you just mentioned, it wasn't just three people. It was a large team. They were all coming from all around, well, possibly the world to relocate or locate in Janesville. That talent, again, the world's largest pen company in Janesville, that talent um, set up roots here. And some of that root is still within the next, within the generation beyond me. Um, what your family did for Janesville is much greater than just manufacturing. Uh, you provided a soul for Janesville. Well, I, I think I would argue with that, Steve, if only to the extent that that the one of the luckiest things that could have happened to George was he began his fledgling little pen business hmm. was to be in Janesville. Because in Janesville, he had not only a transportation hub, but he had an assortment of, of skilled, smart people to work with him to not only make better pens um, technologically, but to, but to handcraft pens to standards so high that they were, that no other pen manufacturer could really compete. Um, I think Janesville had a huge part in Parker's success. 
Um, so if I were going to refer to the Parker family, I would define the Parker family as um, basically everyone who worked for Parker, including a few who were named Parker. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, because I thank you for that because I I go up Court Street. I see today. I see one Parker place, which is once the manufacturing facility and then the world headquarters. And I go down Parker Drive and see Arrow Park, which is now Panoramic, which was one of the companies that was born out of Parker Penn. Yep. Um, you know, I see the 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 homes that your uh, your family once owned, um, and you know, I, I think of Parker, but you know what? You're you're right. Um, there was so much more, and thank you for that perspective. Sure, uh, I mean it's 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 one of the things that uh, keeps me busy uh, in my research about Parker Penn. There's always there's always something new to learn, uh, and uh, that's why I like to come back to Janesville, uh, and if I can, sit down with people who've worked at Parker, uh, who knew people who worked at Parker, whatever I. Because, because whatever I can learn uh, helps me understand um, what's context uh, to, the, to the corporate facts, to the pen facts that I already know. Yeah, and you know, looking back at some of the, so, you know, I, I have relatives that, that work for Parker and um, you know, friends and friends, you know, grandparents and parents that have worked for Parker and it, you mentioned family and you know the artifacts and the people that that worked for the Parkers you know they're they're getting up in age and you know this is why we're having this conversation today is to make sure that we don't lose that that heritage but also to share a bit more of that story um, because you know it went from you know, from a, a family and business to to not but um, you know, I appreciate the fact that while you're, you're the historian, you continue to dig for history. So thank you yeah. for that. I, you know, when, when I was in high school and even for a while when I was in college, history class for me was, uh, well, it was basically a nap period. <laughs> uh, I think for most people, most kids in high school, it was that way. <laughs> But once I started putting some context, understanding what was going on in the area um, at, at that time, uh, it, history came alive for me. And, um, and I've been an avid um, historian ever since. Now, admittedly, my focus on history is rather narrow. Um, it's Parker, it's Janesville. And uh, and a few related subjects, um, but it is uh, it's it's fascinating, yeah, absolutely I, fascinating. I, I like your approach. So so we're we're go, we we're zipping through the depression. I, I don't like talking about that, uh, and we're getting into now uh, next next question because this is this is something that I'm really curious about. Mm -hmm. I think I know the question you're going to ask. Why are we out of the 20s? Because I got shot down here when I jumped up ahead a few decades. <laughs> got to slow down. Well, I'll stay in the 20s for a little bit, but it's going to go into the 40s as well. So, Jeff, what I was going to say is, is that 
I don't know if this is coincidence or if this was meant to be or was done a certain way for a reason. Now, Janesville has Highway 51 that goes right through Janesville. And as you come in through Highway 51, you get to the corner of Blackbridge Road and you've got 51 there, which turns into Parker Drive. Yep. Well, it's ironic because that number 51 of Highway 51 is a pretty important number for Parker Penn because the Parker 51, which again, correct me if I'm wrong with what I've got written down. Because there's a couple different stories to this and the historian needs to is, verify this. Which was originally in 1941, I believe, is what it when it was started, created. Well, but basically about, what, 51 years after the now, start of the company. Now, what I'm going to say is that this, is, this blew me away. Because I'll go as far as to say that if it wasn't for Parker Penn, mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been a surrender document signed at the oh. end of World War II. Because General Douglas MacArthur used a, this is where I go back to the 20s here, okay, a 1928 20. Parker Duelfold pen yeah. to sign the surrender documents with uh, Germany and Japan. And uh, General Eisenhower used a Parker 51. You're yeah you're right the war wouldn't have ended right and you know that's true what they say the pen is mightier than the sword then steve (laughs) it truly is it truly is um well let's let's see so let's unpack this let me let me let me set a couple of things uh out here for one the pen we're talking about the parker 51 uh for anyone out there who's not familiar with it um Today, um, some 80 odd years after it was first introduced, uh, I would say the majority of people who truly know pens uh, still, 80 years on, believe that the Parker 51 was, in all likelihood, the best pen ever made. And I mean, I could tell you that I happen to believe that, but I mean, you know, I'm biased. Hey, but that's perfectly fine. I, I just wrote with my Parker 51 just uh, last week. So. I'm just over here writing with a blue Bic pen. <laughs> well, stop it now. I've, I've, had, stop I've, had, I've had to light it a few times to get the ink to go. And yeah, this ow, is nothing. Ow, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, we, we like to keep a little bit of humorous around here on the jamble. So. <laughs> So, so in any case, this pen we're talking about was um, first question you're going to ask. Uh, well, why is it named fifty one? Yes, why is it named fifty one? And there, and there are two basic reasons for this. The first is is that engineering and development work for the pen that would become the fifty one began in 1939. And 1939 was exactly 51 years after the business had been started. Kenneth, my grandfather, who was in charge of uh, development of 51, he felt that this was the right tone, the right message to send because he believed that it took every shred of what Parker had learned in those 51 years to be able to make that pen. It was, it was a colossal engineering challenge. And he would tell you with, I, 
without a hesitation of any kind that it couldn't have been done anywhere but Janesville mm. because of the people and the talent and the skills that existed there. So we have this pen. It's revolutionary in so many ways. But it, but it had to fit in with Parker's international business. Now, where did this international business come from? Well, you remember my telling you that George wanted to travel? Yes. Well, when he did travel, he traveled with a separate steamer trunk that was chock full of pens. Smart man. So that if he found himself in a city that wasn't selling Parker pens when he arrived, they were selling pens, Parker pens, when he left. Entrepreneur and this, salesman. This is how Parker became such an international brand. Um, and I, I mean, you, you just can't even imagine. UK, sure, piece of cake. It would be a natural assumption that, that Parker would go there. France, Germany, yeah, absolutely. But China? in the 1920s, Japan in the 1920s. No way. That was almost unheard of. Um, so with this international business, one of the things that they had to confront was they needed a name for this new pen that could translate into a variety of languages. Hence the number versus the name easier than I have to mess yes. up my name. And a number translates very, very easily uh, into almost any language, whereas uh, a name like Duofold or whatever. Right, vacuumatic. Not so, <laughs> not so yeah, right. So it wasn't but, named after a P-51 Mustang fighter plane. No. <laughs> well, you, you throw us a, throw Janesville a little bit of a bone. Let's keep the mystique going. I, I there's got to be there's, there's got to be a, a little... tie in with that highway. Highway though. 51. I mean, isn't that ironic though? <laughs> I mean, that the least. I know it. That the fa the well, second the factory the... was built a little on the road that eventually well it's named 51 and Parker Pen Parker and Drive. Parker Drive. <laughs> well, the 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 P51 Mustang, which which Parker actually used in their advertising during World War II actually was, came after the pen. Oh, wow. So no, um, there's not, there's <laughs> not a real strong relationship there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the 51 pen immediately became hugely popular. And, but that was a challenge because it was introduced during the early days of World War II we had a bit of a problem supplying pens. Uh, yes, that would be a problem. I would imagine that the factories here in Janesville were used for things other than pens. That's right. You're exactly right. Because uh, back in those days, uh, complete effort was necessary to equip the uh, U.S. and allied forces with uh, the weapons of war. Um, that meant that there was rationing of all kinds, including uh, an organization called the Wartime Production Board. They would visit 
almost any business and they would evaluate the business and assess the products and skills in that business and then determine whether those skills and or product contributed to the war effort. Hmm. Uh, in Parker's case, they, they determined that, that pens were in fact necessary for the, for the war effort, but only to a modest degree. They were necessary so that uh, servicemen could have pens to write home uh, to their families, uh, and so that uh, government officials could uh, do what they had to do uh, in terms of communications. Uh, but for the most part, the skills that were in existence at Parker were used for other purposes than pen. That purpose specifically was uh, rocket fuses. Same, a lot of the same machinery and a lot of the same skills that went into making a pen were used to make rocket fuses. So. And uh, Parker produced, I don't think anybody really knows how many thousands or tens of thousands of rocket fuses. Um, it was, I'm sure, a very, very large number, but Parker produced them uh, and provided them to the uh, military at Kenneth's insistent at no profit. Oh, well, that's amazing. So, so, so I want to kind of re I want to kind of get my bearing straight here. So we're, we're coming uh, out of, out of the war. We've talked about the 51 we've uh, we've signed in both uh, Japan and Europe. Um, just from a family standpoint uh, at this time, um, what, your, George, is George still alive? Uh, where is your grandfather at the time? And I guess, where does your father play? Is it, is it too soon for, for dad to be a part of this uh, conversation? Uh, where are we at as far from a, we're, a Parker we're, history? Yeah, we're, we're close. Uh, so uh, a few dates. Uh, George S., the founder of, of the business, uh, born in 1863, died in 1937 at the age of 73, almost 74. That left Kenneth, his younger son, in charge. Well, if you say, well, wait a minute, what about the other brother? Yeah, what about Russell? He was, he was older. Well, it's true. Uh, Russell and, and Kenneth really made a fine team. Unfortunately, Russell suffered a very sudden and disastrous bout with uh, a form of leukemia in 1933 and died just before his 40th birthday. Wow. Uh, the effects of this, both on George and his wife, were pretty dramatic, as you might expect. Um, just as dramatic as uh, on the entire family, in fact. Um, it left Kenneth as the sole heir apparent to the business. Um, that happened in 1933. Um, and it was, it was actually um, Kenneth being in charge that led him to, take, to establish this project to build the 51, because he felt that that was his, his pen. 
Mm. Uh, the first pen that he could make just the way he wanted to make a pen. Uh, so in any case, uh, it's if we're talking 1933 uh, when Kenneth took over the business, Kenneth had a son at that point in time, an uh, only, only child, my father named Dan Parker. Uh, Dan was born in 1925. He didn't... And, well sorry he didn't go by, by the, the go by ahead. the end of the by the end of the second world war daniel joined the business uh and was making real contributions to the business alongside his father nick you had a quick question yeah i was just gonna say um so we're kind of we're talking in the early 30s here back then and then and into the 50s with i'm wondering if any if daniel may have had a nickname called uh quink by chance not that i know of because that's kind of a fun term and that's another one of those terms with uh quick drying ink quink yeah 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 um so he i mean how do i explain this so so let me compare and contrast for you so imagine uh that you're a typical worker and that you have a job that you like, it pays you well, you find it uh, rewarding. And, but when you leave work at the end of the day, that's it. It's your, your personal life takes over. Mm -hmm. Now compare that to, <laughs> to the way uh, the Parkers uh, were and you have as stark a contrast as you could imagine. I describe it this way, the line between work and personal lives for the Parkers was razor thin. It had to have been. Razor thin. You, there you was were, you were literally almost what? no time when we when we did not work on the pen business. You were four blocks away. I mean, you know, some of the, the homes were four blocks away from the factory. It had to have been razor thin. Exactly right. Exactly right. Plus, there's this, there's this, <laughs> there's this saying. You've probably heard it because other people in Janesville, besides Parker, learned about it themselves. They say that that if you really understand Parker pens, that you must have ink in your veins. Mm -hmm. Well. That's another way of saying that these people, including uh, we Parkers, are incredibly passionate about what we do. We absolutely live and breathe pens. And, um, and if that sounds like a complaint, you're misunderstanding because I just, I just love pens. I tell you what, um, for, for me, I have, so I will share that. I worked again, my dream was to work for Parker Penn. And I would always grow up and you know, I go past Arrow Park on Parker Drive and you always there's always that little scent. Um, you know, that was a factory, you could just tell. And then um, for me, I can see the first sign of, of well, the, the factory at the corner of Parker and, and Court Street was being renovated into, you know, the world headquarters. And that was just awe-inspiring for me. I was, you know, nine, 10 years old at the time. That's what I wanted to do. And 
And thankfully for me, you talk about, you know, uh, ink in your veins. Um, I walked into, into the lobby at, at Arrow Park, which by then was just about, um, actually was just sold to uh, you know, a larger, a large corporation, Gillette. And I asked, do you have a internship? And uh, I was in college at the time and I, I started a day later and I interned there for three years and I was able to work there up until the, the point where Arrow Park was closed. So uh, I have I have ink in my my veins and I have written with a Parker pen every day of my professional life. That's that's the kind of story I like to hear. And it's and there are many, many, many people in my generation, even though that Parker Penn is no longer here in Janesville, um, that feel the same way and that continue to write with Parker Pens today. You know, you raise an interesting point, Steve, because um, the, the Parker's association with Janesville is seems to be growing more and more tenuous uh, as the years uh, mm -hmm. since Parker operated there uh, fly by. Um, but there are you don't have to be from Janesville to appreciate oh, uh, gosh, no. a good a good pen uh, because a good pen like a Parker pen. Um, is uh, is aspirational for for a number of reasons. One, it's it's a it's a personal product. Okay, it it speaks to you, and it says something about you. Uh, plus the fact that one of the one of the most important elements of the foundation that George established to the business was an insistence on making the finest pens we know how to make. So, so quality, I, I don't think quality will ever be dead. Uh, oh, gosh, if, uh, no. Anyone who has an appreciation for quality would, would have to consider a Parker. Um, it's, 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 you know, we, we just, I, I keep coming to the fact that George established so many crucial uh, elements to the foundation of the business to, that have remained strong components of the business for over 130 years. Um, that has as much to do with Parker's continuing success as anything. You know, you mentioned, and this is probably a little zip through history. Um, you know, uh, again, I, I mentioned that in the 80, early 80s, late 70s, uh, you know, I was about 10 years old. And I saw that the, the Parker World Headquarters go up, you know, the, again, this is, this is the Steve story. This is not the historian yep. <laughs> story, but, you know, I know that that uh, eventually the you know the business was was sold from the family to um, invest basically from what I understand employees in Europe at, at the UK and then ultimately was sold to uh, Gillette and was part of the stationary products group and in, in about in the early nineties. Um, you know, it, it was my time in in the nineties where I was truly fortunate to work for a company that still had the Parker bond attached to it. It wasn't that long ago that, you know, the, the Parker's 
that weren't a part of it, if, if you will. And again, for, for me, it was even today, I, I remember people, Rose Rudd, Rose worked on the insignia line. Um, you know, Dennis Berlowski, the names go on and on the quality that was a part of that group. Um, continued even through the time where it left Janesville and then ultimately left Gillette. Gillette was the, the Parker brand was sold to to Sanford Newell and kind of picking up again. I don't want to dismiss the history. I think it's important. But what I want to um, stress here is that while Parker is no longer owned by the Parker family, Parker still has um, their fingers in the Parker business, and that would be um, through your work with with the current owners. Is that correct? Uh, yes, um, I, I'd like to think it's more than fingers, uh, but, uh, but my apologies. <laughs> but what you're describing is accurate. Um, so let me sort of set the stage. Um, so yes, your summary is is correct. Um, beginning in about. Um, 2011, uh, so a little more than 10 years ago, uh, Newell Brands Incorporated found themselves uh, with the Parker business. It was um, kind of limping along uh, mm -hmm. because it was being run, in my opinion, by people who didn't really understand how to run a business like Parker. Um, but the next thing I know, um, there's, a, there's a, a, a management change at Newell and uh, some of the people at the upper levels in Newell, uh, as I read their CVs, um, they, uh, they, pretty, they impressed me because these were people who weren't just, um, well, my apologies to the accountants out there. They weren't just bean counters. These were people who relied on inspiration and creativity hmm. to do Let, what they do. Let's see. Um, let's go back into the 20s. Russell, Kenneth, inspiration. Yep. Hmm. Exactly. So, um, I had an opportunity uh, to work uh, with uh, some of the uh, people who were directly in charge of Parker on a kind of a tentative basis initially. I think they kind of wanted to make sure that I, uh, that I, really, I really knew what I was talking about um, and that I wasn't just a, <laughs> you'll laugh, pretty face. Um, who happened to be named Parker. Uh, that went quite well. Uh, in fact, I wound up, uh, the next thing I knew, I was, uh, I was flying uh, to Shanghai uh, mm. at, uh, at Parker's expense uh, to participate in a number of uh, public relations events. And, um, once I arrived, I was invited out to dinner. Um, nobody really told me who was going to be there. It didn't really matter to me. Um, but I went out to dinner and 
had a fascinating evening hearing a being bombarded with questions about Parker history and what would you do and all of these sort of questions. And um, it was only after I returned back to my hotel uh, that I got on my computer and Googled some of the names of these people and found out that it was the chief executive officer of Newell, the chief marketing officer of Newell, the chief mm -hmm. financial officer of Newell, and the chief development officer of Newell. We have this 100-year-old brand that was um, an amazing brand. It was the apple of the day. What are we going to do with it? That's, that's exactly what they wanted to know. They wanted to know, broadly speaking, you know, what can we do? What are, the, what are the selling points behind this brand? What are the opportunities for this brand? And um, that conversation, you might say, um, is ongoing even now. Uh, 10 years afterwards. Um, apparently, I convinced them that I do know what I'm talking about and that uh, I'm not just a <laughs> you're not just a, Parker. You're not just a pretty face with a Parker name. Precisely. That's a new advertising slogan, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you better not show my face. Oh, jeez. In any case, though, today, my, my official title is uh, brand historian for Parker. Um, I, I often describe that as uh, meaning that I'm the official old guy. Hey, whatever uh, it takes. So if people have questions about, well, why did they do this? Or how did they do that? Or when did they do this? I'm the guy who gets called out for the answers. Usually, of course, the answers are a little more complicated than that. But um, along the way, they also discovered that... Um, that I actually uh, present fairly well. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, I don't scare people. I only have the one head and, um, and, I, and, I, and I come off pretty well, I guess. So they started trotting me out all over the world to go to uh, marketing events, PR opportunities, things of that sort. So um, while my technical title is brand historian, I think I could probably argue that I'm also a bit of a brand ambassador as well. Nice. And um, for that, I go to Shanghai, I go to Beijing, I go to Tokyo, I go to Istanbul, I go to London. Um, I, I, I travel a lot, or I should say I did until COVID. So you, you, um, I'm assuming you interact with the product marketing managers for uh, Park, the Parker brand. I do. So as, here's my as well as, uh, as well as salesmen at the at the regional and local level, because keep in mind, um, these people know only the 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 most basic of basic aspects of Parker history. Uh, when they when they talk to me and when I share some of my stories, as I've been sharing with you with them, they are all of a sudden equipped with tools to sell Parker that they couldn't have imagined happening, having beforehand. And so, they're inspired, they're excited, and they go out and they and they do a first rate job of selling not just the pens, but but the 
the heritage of the brand. Yeah. So hear me out. Hear me out on this one. So if a, uh, a Newell, if the Parker um, product manager is listening, and Jeff, you got a bit a little plug here for you. So <laughs> I was on the, the PR part for a couple of limited edition pens in the 90s, the MacArthur uh, pen, again, mm-hmm. commemorating the the, um, the 50th anniversary. Gosh, I'm getting old now. Commemorating the 50th anniversary of, of the end of um, World War II. I was a part of the... Um, uh, the snake pen reintroduction, yes. as well as the Norman Rockwell uh, limited mm-hmm. edition, which were all extremely successful. And yep. here, here's my idea, a couple of them. The trademark Steve, 2022. Duly noted. So there is, while Parker is a, a worldwide brand, um, no question, remember the home was Janesville. Boy, wouldn't it be amazing to have a limited edition, again, elegant, luxurious, not your ballpoint, and tie it somehow into the original heritage of the founder and where it was at. And oh, by the way, why don't you build it or at least assemble it in the city that Parker Penn was born? That's number one. All right. That's number one. So, and if I, so that's, that's my, that's my limited edition idea. I'm intrigued. And number two, my, if I was a product manager for Parker Penn today, I'm going to use, I work for um, a company that sells, sells luxury. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And from a technology standpoint, I see a lot of people using Remarkable today, which Remarkable is great technology. It's a tablet with a pen. Can you see a remarkable with a Parker? No, Newell. Mm-hmm. Ignore ignore your ROI for a couple of years, but when you see it after five years, we will take Remarkable's business away, and it'll be Parker. There we go, Jeff. Sell that, sell that, and I'll come over. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, Steve, <laughs> I am. Um, I I guess the only thing I would say in response to that right now just off the cuff, I'd like to, I'd like to think about it more, is that uh, Parker is always, uh, always on the lookout for um, how we can, how we can make a product meaningful at a personal level. Exactly. And so the idea of, uh, of doing something that is Janesville oriented is, uh, I can tell you now is, is something that has been discussed uh a number of times um now it yeah, hasn't happened because yet. because and there's a story know. there's a story to that oh, yeah. it will it will be well i tell you what putting janesville on something that is parker and telling that story mm-hmm. it would be amazing it would um and just to give you an idea for example uh one of our most successful pens in recent years is, uh, is is another version of dual fold. A very limited number uh, of pens were produced, uh, and it was named uh, the Craft of Traveling. Um, and what this had to do with is it spoke directly to George's love, passion, actually, for traveling. Mm. 
And, um, and we used elements uh, from a number of the places that George traveled to in the pen and its packaging. Um, it, was, it was really quite something. Uh, so with that in mind, um, doing something uh, that uh, speaks to Janesville would, uh, would fit right in. And uh, it's, um, it's something that, that my brother, my younger brother, Steve, and I have uh, discussed a number of times uh, as well. Um, we're just waiting for the right opportunity. You know, it, it's and I, I do not dismiss the jotter and, and what is out there today, but there is such a market for that luxury pen. It's the niche niche that um, you mentioned. It is it is yours. It is custom because once you touch that nib to the to the paper for the first time, that is a custom pen that is yours. And um, I think what the Parker brand is doing and, and what you're doing and, and as a part of, of Newell is the right thing. And again, th those are just my suggestions, just some locally local from Janesville, but I think they do great. I appreciate the input, Steve, and I will be sure to voice them. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure you know. You have to add Parker, Parker Drive, Court Street. We've got a ton of ideas here on the. Oh, I, there, there are so many opportunities within Janesville um, for Parker to explore. It's really quite amazing. Yeah, and and honestly, it, you know, at the end of the day, again, this is just for me. You know, my heart. I mean, my heart sinks when I go either up or down. Parker's or uh, Court Street's two way now, but again. But part, my heart sinks a little bit, you know, when I see that that pen, uh, that pen building, the, the world headquarters, mm -hmm. okay, you know, it's it's not Parker anymore, you know, and that's fine. Um, you know, we get a chance to walk through the arch um, at Rotary Gardens, which yes. is, you know, which is amazing. Um, I know that they have the um, the um, some other things at Rotary Gardens as well, but you know, there, there's just something there in, in the, the history and even today, you know, by email, we've been we've been uh, going back and forth. You know, while Parker is not being made in Janesville, you know, your family um, and extended family still has a lot of ties to Janesville and you're still giving back to Janesville. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Uh, certainly. Um, it's, uh, I go back and it's most basic to the simple fact that Janesville, even though I don't live there anymore, um, it's still home. That will never, ever change. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, my siblings, uh, Steve, Jenny, and Sarah, all purposefully put our heads together uh, every year to identify uh, and donate to a variety of funds of, of operations in Janesville. Rotary Garden, sure, There's, but there are others. Uh, our, our resources for this are not as, not as uh, large as we would like them to be, but we, um, we never forget Janesville. It's always it's always number one on our list of things 
that we want to acknowledge. Um, because you're right, even though Parker's not there anymore and that building doesn't have the same message for Janesville or you that it used to have, there's still people in Janesville who can trace their history, their family history, mm -hmm. uh, back to their work at Parker. Um, and, you know, that's that's not going to change. Yeah, um, and, and it's in that respect, it's, you know, Parker's connection to Janesville may be weaker or more tenuous than it used to be, but it's still there. And it need, but for me, and again, why we have this podcast going on is because we need to continue to tell the history and need to continue to tell the story. And, and I would argue, and specifically right now, Nick snuck away just for a minute. Parker is definitely still in Janesville because he just showed, which I know is a, 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 a Parker set that was made in Janesville. Mm -hmm. And I actually am fairly certain that Rose Rudd, um, still um, here in Janesville, had her hand in it. She, he has a, I'm assuming it's a graduation gift. Correct. Um, uh, he has a pencil and pen set. It's an insignia made in uh, roughly early 96 mm -hmm. and was given, you know, that, uh, that was, that was fairly, that was pretty much a tr uh, tradition in, in Janesville is that when you graduated or Father's Day, um, you, you got it uh, engraved, you went to Key Rexall and dropped off the pen and it probably went over to Arrow Park to get um, engraved. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you always got a pen and, and Nick is sitting here, he opened it up and I was like, yep, it's insignia set. Actually, I was working there as an intern at the time and Parker is, while not incorporated here in Janesville anymore, it's certainly alive and well. And, and, and for me personally, again, I, I just have a, Nick is looking at me with a, a strange eye. Um, I have such a passion, well, maybe not. I have such a passion for your brand and um, it's, well, I'm an ambassador. I'll just leave it at that. And- No, you are, no I, question. I, and, I, uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you about it. If only uh, so that uh, you have an opportunity to share it with the people of Janesville and, um, and they can hear straight from the horse's mouth, uh, as it were, how much the Parker family appreciates Janesville's contribution to the success of Parker. Uh, and, and it definitely is. Obviously, you have your collectors out there, too. And just they may not be manufacturing here. Yes, the skeleton you know, buildings are still there. Uh, and the spirit, I think, Steve, as you're mentioning, is definitely oh, yeah. here and it'll always be here, uh, just like General Motors, I think, amongst other companies have been here and had such a impression on the city. Uh, really, it's it's always going to be here. And I, it, a funny Parker story that I have is I, we were doing a rummage sale a few years ago and a car pulls up and it was early morning guy gets out of the car. He's beelining it right to us in the driveway. He's in the middle of the street and he's just shouting out. Parker 51 Parker like it's all he's all wants Parker pens wants to know if we have any of those and I'm sorry you don't and uh, he just literally does a about face turns around gets back in his car and takes off and and for me so you sell in and, and Jeff um I know that that Parkers are extremely collectible and you know the older pens are 
are you know worth a lot of money but i go back to the the point where again going back to a, a gentleman mike conway who gave me my my only parker 51 and he said you know what don't collect them he said write with them and for me ever since you know i've picked up a couple of pens here and there um some vintage ones but one thing that they'll never be is behind glass um, i take them to work and i write with them and um again that's just my personal opinion no, i i you're right I, they say cars are meant to be driven pens are meant to be written oh, right. and again that's just my opinion but i know that there's a, a collector market out there but i choose to write with them well i uh, th there is um the point is people people have a variety of reasons to uh to collect parker pens whether that's because they uh, they want to write with them or they want to give them as a gift or whatever their rationale is. Um, but at one point I, I, I don't want to pass over is your mention of Mike Conway. Because Mike Conway, Mike Conway is uh, as remarkable an ambassador for the Parker brand is as we could ever ask for. What a great guy. He's just, he's a phenomenal person. And he, he's representative of so many of the people who worked at Arrow Park and at yep. Court Street. Um, their, their dedication to the Parker brand towards always making better pens, towards um, always supporting the brand is, I mean, it's, Mike, like me, he lives and breathes Parker. No, he doesn't work at Parker anymore, but uh, it's 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 like air to him. It 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 keeps him alive. Um, what a what a wonderful person! And uh, so, if Mike told you uh, to use that Parker Fifty One or that Parker Seventy Five or that Parker Dual Fold that you have, Mike gave you very very good advice he said use them all and and for those of you that are not listening from janesville mike is janesville and he is as blue collar as blue collar can get and uh, that's the kind of guy that he took me you know he sat and talked to me as just a young punk intern kid who just wanted to learn something mm -hmm. and it wasn't just mike but it was a lot of other people at that plant at Arrow Park, um, you know, that was a fabric of what Parker Penn was all about. It was just great people. They, every single one of them. Yep, every single one of them. Whether and, they were named Parker or not. And, you know, you mentioned that it was, it wasn't, you corrected me. It said, you said it wasn't just three at the beginning of this. It was a whole family of Parkers and it was yep. everybody involved. And you're hundred percent right. It was everybody that was involved was a Parker at, at some level. And they're all ambassadors, whether they're still here in Janesville, whether they, you know, they passed on and, and, you know, they've, they've shared that heritage with the generation that's still in Janesville or elsewhere. And, and in my opinion, um, while Parker is not here in Janesville proper, I think it's my goal and, and the goal of, of many others around here to ensure that the Parker legacy 
um, is shown and told and the Parker future is bright. I, uh, I love what you're doing, Steve, and I, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to underscore what you're saying. And, uh, and I hope you'll uh, reach out to me anytime uh, that uh, you think uh, we can uh, help Janesville rediscover uh, what it was capable of back in those days. Absolutely. Well, thank you for this part there, Mr. Parker. Appreciate it. My pleasure, entirely. All right, we're back from one Parker place or Earl Park. Yep. Parker High School or on Parker Drive somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, learned a lot about the Parker history and uh, ties to Janesville and what's going on with the Parker brand today. And I honestly, I got probably a little overzealous. Yeah, you were giddy. I'm a fanboy of Parker. I always have been. I knew you were going to be, though. I mean, you, you have a history, though. There. Like the 10-year-old kid in me is just like jumping on the trampoline well right you know your giddiness about parker penn is i guess to be argued my giddiness about general motors as a kid you know i you talked about i did i wanting to just you know soak it in wanting to work for parker penn and i was the same way though but for general motors and you got an opportunity to to live that out as well as i did for there a short go. time there you go so we we both win yeah yeah and i know yeah i like, and sadly, both companies are gone now. I mean, let's be real. I mean, it's uh, well, they're you, know, you know, and it's sad because um, you know you very thankful to have that. Um, and it's you you, you kind of wish that um, you look at that history mm -hmm. of both of those companies, and you kind of God, well, how awesome would that be if they were still in Back Janesville? In that time, yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe maybe there'll be a uh, you. Yeah, hey, I, I pitched the you idea. Pitched the idea. So um, I new mean, old copyright Steve. But by the uh, way. you know, but regardless, you know that's business. Okay, it is. I mean, let's be real. And um, it, it does say something though, though that you know both of those. I mean, Parker's been gone longer from Janesville than. General Motors, I believe, no. are close around the same time. Yeah, about the same because they that's were about, about 2010 yeah, but by the time it was finally gone. Uh, it was out on Foster Avenue. It, right, but I think uh, as Jeff mentioned and you kind of alluded to as well, though, that even though physically they're not producing, manufacturing those memories, those stories, they're going to last another 100 years probably. I mean, again, that who doesn't know somebody that worked there? Um, had some what, kind of involvement there, and, and it's just what a cool story and what cool history. If if you're a history buff like I am, to uh, learn some of that for Janesville. Yep, I always use that as a topic of conversation mm -hmm. to somebody I meet that has come from the area, from outside the area, and I'm like, did you know? And I use the, I use Parker Penn as an obvious one. Parker yeah. Penn, and then I also use the Gideon's Bible. Like, you know, the Gideon's Bible, actually, Gideon started in uh, downtown Janesville. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. there's a, a lot of history that's a part of Janesville. And, and again, I, I would argue that, I don't that, the, that Parker that Parker Pan in this area, this is a major stretch. And I get it. The Silicon Valley Communications back in the day was Janesville, Wisconsin. You know, Steve, if you ever have a desire to create a garage band, I have your name. <laughs> what is it? Parker's pen. <laughs> I can't play an Copyright. instrument. I well, can play the... Well, hey, just like we learned, um, you know, it's all about putting your 
my yeah. intuit figuring it out. I should just pack my uh, pack my trunk full of pens and we can accomplish hey, anything. I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure George Parker probably didn't really have any idea at the time about pens and he just tried figuring it out. And he did. So, anyway. All right. Fascinating history. Thank you, uh, Jeffrey Parker, for yes. that. Just fascinating interview. That was that's great. And uh, coming up on our next episode of The Jamble, we actually have kind of a part two. Um, we talk with Jeff Parker about taking flight ah. at my Parker pen. So that, that's coming up next week. Yeah, maybe even sooner than that. What do you think? That was a good one. That was a good one. I think we should let the ink dry here. <laughs> and, well played. Uh, with that, Steve, yeah. as always, jamble out. Jamble out, Nick. Jamble out, James Wilkins.